you know how I'm all about training, and especially through all the life stages, which is why we're doing quite a lot of work, aren't we, Mr. Binks, now that you're nearly 12? Well, we're jumping on Zoom now to speak to Carolina Lupo, who is the co-founder of the Petley app, talking about how this app can really help you get the best out of your dog. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Carolina Lupo, thanks so much for coming back on A Dog's Life. Thanks for having me. Great to be back. No, it really is because I love the work that you've done on post-traumatic stress disorder in dogs. And I'm really interested to find out what came first, the study or seeing dogs with post-traumatic stress disorder encouraged you more to investigate dog behavior? Yeah, I, first of all, I met these dogs when I was working and I saw it and, and the study came afterwards once I'd gathered quite a lot of experience. Uh, so yeah, that's the order of it. <laughs> yeah. And how has it affected your training? Well, when you talk to other dog trainers, do they also concur with you that this is something that is a real syndrome? Yeah, absolutely. And more and more, the more I've been been around lecturing about this topic, of course. And I think it's given me a very important proactive perspective that I really want to like vaccinate these dogs against insecurities, frights and, and aggression at a very early age. So it changed, you know, the way I had puppy courses. Um, and I think it's it's super important to be proactive because this can actually happen to any dog at any time. And that's very much what Petly app is about, isn't it, Caroline? It's about, you know, explaining to owners that training isn't just once a week at dog club, if if you're lucky to, to do that with your dog. Um, it is about training every single day and just in short in increments, which is something I really love about the Petly app. Yeah, I don't think we need to make it more difficult than that, really. Just have this micro training sessions on a daily basis. And training is one thing, but then it's the like uh, overall understanding and knowledge of dogs and, you know, what makes them tick? What are their needs? What what does stress them and what can cause PTSD or what can just make a dog angry or scared? Uh, and the more we understand dogs in general and breed specifics and dog personalities, the better we can like tailor make the way we care for them and train them uh, and deal with them and, and what we what situation we put them in uh, and what we don't put them in. So I think it's super important. So Petley is about those snackable bites of trainings, but also the dog knowledge. Uh, because it's really hard if you're a first novice dog owner, if you've had many dogs, just to get all that information at once and trying to digest it is super hard. You need to be fed it bit by bit and really with a good timing of where your dog is in his or her life. Um, no, I really agree because, of course, you know, bringing in a puppy at eight weeks is so different to bringing in, say, a rescue that might be normally about two. Dogs tend to be abandoned at around 18 months, or that used to be the, the sort of the age when when people have literally lost the will to live with their dog or they, they realize they've put so much work in sometimes and, and they're still not getting that, that connection and or their lives might change and dogs end up in rescue around that time which is quite a tricky time for people to take dogs on would you say Caroline? 
Absolutely, absolutely. Because uh, they're, they're full of hormones and they're teenagers, just like human teenagers, but in a territorial, you know, hunting carnivore animal that we put on a leash uh, and invited into our home. So it's tricky. I just had a lecture actually last night uh, with the dog breeders and, and what we call kennels here in Sweden. So um, I spoke a lot about how this proactive kind of treatment and training can start in that with a little puppy litter at the breeders that early. Um, and this is all to like help dog owners get the most confident puppy they could, really. That that's the point of it all. Uh, to raise happy and confident uh, uh dogs. Yeah, no, totally. So much can be done. I've had close friends that have bred litters and I've helped them with sound CDs because I mean we here, I mean, do you have bonfire night in Sweden? You know, when all the fireworks, yeah. right? So yeah. we've got that loads. And last yeah. night it was Diwali and they were going off again, you know, big mm. bangs. Of course, noise sensitivity. Do you think Caroline, that noise sensitivity is something dogs are born with or is it learned? And really can playing sounds like car alarms, babies crying, alarm clocks, you name it, on a CD or downloading it on an app when the puppies are just weaning, you know, they, mm. they're getting onto their solid food and they're all around a little bowl, hopefully eating nice raw food to wean to. And then, you know, the breeders playing these sounds as they're eating. Do you think that can really make a difference? for example yeah I think it can both make a difference or trigger a fright so it all depends on and when dealing with a big litter or even a small litter you have to set the level of the the cd or the the volume to the most sensitive individual individual so you can't just look at the mother dog or one of the puppies you have to look at all of them and really make that volume be as low as mm. as it's it's fine for the most sensitive individual and i think that the risk is if you if you overexpose them or, or if these sounds are played too loud you have a one trial learning the first time the dog hears this noise that the, the feelings are overwhelming and they remember it as something that stressed them instead of of having that low exposure and actually desensitizing them over time and i think of in regards of like people rehoming their dogs when they are uh, about 18 months old i think a lot of reason for that is is not that the dog really become the, the dog may have become completely unruly at that age because they're an adolescent dog, but I think the fears and the frights and the stress, often it starts from their puppies, but they don't really act upon that that stress and that fear in a very offensive way. They're quite calm and quiet about it. But when those hormones kicks in, that's when it all, you know, becomes a hassle for everybody, really. Um, so it starts, my opinion is that it often starts much earlier. We just mm -hmm. see the symptoms more clearly then. No, it's so interesting. And that does really relate to how so many dogs are bought now, you know, over the internet, certainly here in England. That's the main way. That's what everyone does now. They buy their dog online. And many of these dogs, these puppies being sold are bred in puppy farms, obviously with no thought of anything like desensitization to anything and bred in awful conditions. We all know. And it's just awful. So that is also another big problem, I think. And why, again, the Petley app can help people so much from the get-go you know when you bring your puppy in whether it is a puppy farm dog or a perfectly bred you know amazing kennel club registered pedigree they can all have little chink in their immune systems and in their and in their minds really do you think 
Mm. Yeah, absolutely. We spoke about this la- last night with the breeders that, you know, when when their work ends, that's where our begins. That's when Petley takes over and helps these puppies and puppy owners to like boost that relationship get to know each other and understand what's of important what's not of important what should I really spend my time and focus on and what Mm. training should I start straight away and what can I deal with later and just getting those tidbits of of training and advice along the way um so yeah absolutely that that is what what we're there for to to be that guide all along the way and and Petley's not a flat platform it's not just articles and trainings and courses there's also you know a team of dog expert behind that that are there answering questions and this is done on like a daily basis people ask questions in the community or under a training or an article and we're there to answer and help or they just say oh yesterday my dog did abc you know why or what shall i do and we can coach them and help them uh, or they film their training and go you know is this good or bad? What can I change? What can I make better? And and they get help that that way. So it's a very dynamic platform. Um, aim to be that you know that guide, that dog coach in your pocket, twenty four seven. Yeah, no, absolutely. For me, yes, it's like um, I'm so. I don't know, not very modern. So I find the filming aspect is awkward for me. But that's reassuring to hear that you don't have to film everything, and you can just message I guess directly mm. would the emails come through to you and then you distribute the question to dog trainer a b and c or is it you Caroline that answers um what happens is that I get I see that there's been a question asked in the app and I go and answer it in the app so it's like a communication thread in the app really so that's most of the questions answered that way. And if I need, it's mostly me. And if I need the Petley vet or the Petley physiotherapist to come in or another dog trainer who I think is better at this, then I'll connect those people on. Um, so that, and, and a lot of people, they say that just scrolling around in the app and reading other people's questions and the answers they're given and how they get back a week later and said, oh my God, it solved it now. Uh, you know, just that is a learning tool as well, just to kind of have like a sneak peek in at what everybody else has asked. Um, and if you want like a private session or you want to ask a question, but not open to, for everybody to see, people often email us and we can have that discussion or send them a tailor-made plan with the help of the trainings that we have in Petley. Uh, if they, they're finding it tricky to to understand where do I start? You know, my dog's got a pretty complex problem. What shall I start with? Um, and yeah, so we're there to help in any way the user really feels is, is comfortable. Oh, I think that's so great. And it's interesting they can email direct as well. Because um, I often find in doing my consults, I will blow people's minds going in because I find that a lot of people now get frustrated with their dogs because they might say to me, look, you know, I'm I'm asking him just not to do that. Why is he still doing it? Or I've tried to train him this and, you know, and often it's simply because messages are getting lost in translation. And I do think sometimes people assume, because dogs are so good at reading our facial expressions and smelling our moods. I can see why people do believe dogs understand what they're telling them. You know, yeah, I had a really good day today. My meeting went really well. Dogs wagging the tail, looking up, thinking, oh, mum's really happy, so we're going to play a game. I can see how it happens. But in fact, you've got to switch that right round and change the pet parent's way of thinking. So mm. to really understand what drives and motivates the dog. And it's 
certainly isn't a lot of speech or, mm. you know, and explain why eye contact in certain situations won't be helping you. Mm. But the fun bits of the video that we've done and practiced before is the focus work and explain mm. why that's quite a big chunk of, of the app. And I love the way you actually go now before you get out of your front door let's play a quick game get your dog coming towards you and reward and then go out through the front door rather than you've got your dog's focus before you leave the door so it's all about teamwork really and and getting that into everyday life with your dog so every situation you're in there's a possibility for the dog to earn treats and rewards or praise or cuddles it doesn't have to be be uh, you know dog candy it could be something else but uh, just to get that teamwork in in everyday life and and some people they they focus on sit and down and and they forget you know it's a it's a whole training just to get out the door with your dog thinking we're doing this together not I'll just bolt out and drag you along and chase after the neighbor's cat but at that actual doorstep to think you know oh let's do this together you and me in unison so we've got a lot of trainings like that and we also have a lot of trainings where where there can be conflict, like get down or go on your bed and things that people have a tendency to nag and really, you know, get on their dog's cases about. So we make that into fun tricks and easy to grasp training. So uh, you as a dog parent actually learn that, okay, I need to teach my dog these cues, all these behaviors, no matter if it's walk nicely on a leash or recall or whatever it is, it's just tricks and games really. Exactly. Um, no, it is. Yeah. It is. It's it's making everything fun. People say, well, surely if I ask my dog to go and sit in his dog bed, that's a punishment. And I'm like, well, no, not if you do it right. It's an absolute game. And they know the game is stay in there until you ask them to come out, which yeah. again is another game. No, uh, what I love as well, though, is the app's kind of philosophy of through all the years, because training and diet and everything needs to adapt mm -hmm. as your dog suddenly find they can't run and, and go far like they used to for an hour of, you know, wonderful walking out on a big field. They might be slower. They might stop a bit. You might notice they're stiffening up. You might notice mm -hmm. their top line might not be totally flat any longer so mm. you build in all of these aspects into the Petly app so for me it's way more than just training it's about a whole lifestyle solution absolutely and we have this lifelong journey kind of theme that you know it starts pre-dog before you even get a dog you get information and knowledge about what to think of before even getting this dog in and then that first few weeks with your puppy you know what's of importance there and then and then there's a puppy course that leads on to an adolescent course and an adult course and finally a senior course and there's also material about losing a dog and the grief and the sorrow so we kind of go the whole circle around and just like you say that Anna it's it's about training and difficult levels of training but it's also about the diet and the dog's needs and the dog's communication and the hormones and how that affects a dog in a social social situation with other dogs or with people or even their perspective on prey or cattle or anything else you know they change especially from being a puppy to an adult it's a big big change that happens in a very short time and the more we know the more we can really run with it instead of like going what happened to my sweet puppy where did he go he's a monster now he wants to bite horses and you know all these things that happen um and then once they become adults that that's quite a long time in a dog's life but things keep happening and if you want your senior dog 
to stay active and sharp and you know risk minimize risk for dementia or arthrosis and pain in the body we that's when the dog is an adult that's when we start to help the dog to to have as a long life as as possible you know well, no, I agree because um, I think, you know, we start to age at about 40. I think the thing is that's when you, if you haven't done face cream, you better get on it, you know, apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and dogs do start to age between two and three. So, yeah. you know, so that's when everything needs to be thinking about the whole dog. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I met a client yesterday and he was he was throwing a lot of uh, frisbees and, and sticks and balls to his dog. And I said, yeah, that's great fun for now, but you're really wearing him out. And when he gets older, he's going to have problems in his body. This was a hunting dog. So we kind of looked at other ways to play that game, but without it being running backwards and forwards full of adrenaline and just things like that. He was like, God, I never thought about it. He's 18 months and he loves this. And I said, yeah, but who soon, very soon, he will be like a, a dog in a 40 year old human body and and that knee will start to ache and and those you know quarters will will become a problem and and then when he's a senior he might not be very long lived due to this you know and and it's all about knowledge you know and getting not only getting the information you shouldn't do this because that's a bit of a flat line situation but what can I do instead exactly so what would you suggest I would suggest using the nose a lot more for that dog and using the same balls but hiding them and then beginning the actual real scent work training which is how the army and the police I think in the UK do it they all use the tennis ball you know I know tennis balls are contentious but for <laughs> For me, oh, they're the best ball. They really are. Would you agree, Caroline, on that? Yeah, absolutely. They're great fun. I mean, it's a classical dog toy, isn't it? Dogs just <laughs> love them. And I think, you know, just like uh, you said there, Anna, I started with a search, so to, to go and find it instead of just rushing after. And because this dog had become a bit of an addic addiction for him, so we started like every other ball or frisbee was thrown and every other one was hidden and then we changed that ratio ratio so it was more search hide and seek rather than just running straight backwards and forwards but what we also started to do because this is a super clever intelligent dog so we started teaching him search left search right so he got to start you know really figuring out where do we did we want him to go when he searched and not just run run off into the forest and and just scatter his, you know, scatter around, but to really uh, find what he was looking for with the help of his handler in a more precise way. So we we did that and, and we actually uh, kept the frisbee. We just minimized the frisbee game. But what we did was that if, if the guy was stood at six o'clock, the dog was stood at 10 o'clock, you know, facing each other like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and he got to catch the frisbee if it was tossed low and and just crossed his path so he had to calculate you now where the speed of this frisbee where is this going to cross my path and when can I run and, and grab it so we used that and as a super reward that he could get now and again but the rest was like hide and seek game more more or less yeah no it's brilliant but to see dogs that some people listening might think but that's not going to wear my dog out mm -hmm. but you see to the contrary I say because the, the satisfaction of using their noses and 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 say you know I can imagine in a beautiful Swedish forest the 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 wonderful smells and distractions from the tennis ball you know are, are a lot so to keep that focus that takes you know discipline and training and 
and that great sense of yay when you've got it. And that's when everyone jumps up and goes, yay, <laughs> for yeah. the positive, for the positive marker. Something actually my producer was asking me the other day was, Anna, what does a marker mean? And um, someone asked me on the Heath, he said, was Billy Mike's Jack Russell, Parsons Russell, Jack Russell, marker trained. So explain what that means and why that's so important to get the hang of from the get go with your dog. Are you talking about a reward marker now? Like a click? Yeah, like a reward oh. marker, like a thumb up. I do thumbs up a lot yeah. um, because, well, I've trained quite a few deaf bull terriers. Mm. <laughs> I mean, they're mostly born partially deaf anyway. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you are working on it, <laughs> little joke, didn't mean it prudence really. <laughs> But of course, doing a clear thumb up, it, it helps a lot of people because a lot of people are very clumsy with the clicker. And as, as a result, in my experience, you know, capturing the right moment with a clicker is key. And that, that, that takes practice and time. And I think a lot of people are a bit intimidated sometimes by the, they've got the clicker, they've got the treat, they've got the dog. It's like, oh, it's all a bit complicated. But just to do a thumb up, you're never going to forget it because it's always on your hand as well. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. I use, I always use the marker, a reward marker. And, and without it, how on earth is the dog supposed to be able to lock that memory? or whatever he or she was doing it at the exact time when when he was to get a reward and and a and a good marker really spares us some time it gives us time to get out that board or get out that tree we don't have to be that precise we just have to mark exactly what will be rewarded and and I like I I I'm the same you know I have clickers everywhere but I keep forgetting them and they're too much to handle so I click with my tongue or I I, I put my foot to the ground so there's like a tap with a foot on the ground so they listen mm -hmm. to that uh, but it could be a word as long as the word and this is this I think is something that a lot of dog parents need to think about because there's praise which is like good boy good boy to keep going signal but that's not the marker if you're training say say your dog is looking at you and you start backing away and your dog follows you and looks at you you can praise good boy good boy keep going I love that and once you know you get an intensity in that behavior and the dog is like yeah I'm really good at following you around and staring at you that's when you want to mark and go yes and give them the treat and that yes or that click needs to be really short and precise so the dog locks whatever he or she is doing in his memory and remembers that okay that's when I heard that word this is what I need to repeat because that praise it's so long so it covers so many behaviors we want something really snappy and short Yes, another bugbear of mine is overpraise, you know, when mm -hmm. the dog's done a sit and it's too much, lots of touch that then mm -hmm. makes the dog jump up. Mm -hmm. So you've lost the you've lost the sit. So this kind of clear mythology really and an understanding of, of what you're doing and what you're aiming to achieve, you know, just going for a dog walk, that's a training session, isn't mm. it? Super important. I think as well, you know, just looking at ABC, antecedent behavior and consequence. I mean, the antecedent, what happens before the dog uh, comes when you recall or sits when you ask to sit, that should be pretty clinical and kind of boring. It should just be a cue. Um, and, and then when the dog actually does come when you call, that's when the consequence needs to have a lot of energy and a lot of, but the praise and the cuddle, it needs to be something that makes the dog really happy and, and that, that the dog enjoys it and is not overwhelmed by your energy. Um, 
and then you need to repeat it but you need to stay clear of too much in Swedish we call it avleda uh, it's like when you kind of bribe a dog into doing something or you entice them to do something and there's a lot of energy before the dog has actually done the behavior because then we're rewarding the dog for being unattentive or for running off say your dog runs off when it, when, when you're out for a walk and you bring the the toy out or, or the squeaky toy or you know whatever treats you have in your pocket um then you're actually rewarding the dog for running away. So you need to, to keep keep in mind, you know, that you have to set up your training for success and make sure it's kind of clear and there's a cue and then you guide the dog to do the correct thing and afterwards there's a party and not beforehand. Yes, exactly. You mark it and then there's the party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so important that. So important. So, Caroline, where would you see Petley moving forwards? Um, you know, for you, is the app finished or, you know, is there always room to add more and more sessions and, and so on? Yeah, I mean, we will never be finished, you know, we'll never be happy and content. We'll keep working forever to to make this better. And and the fun thing with Petly is that we're very in close contact with the users. So we're actually building it with them, whatever they need, whatever they want. That's what we want to build, you know. So we're not just sat there making this app, uh, making it all up on our own, but we're actually talking a lot to to the people in the app and seeing what they want. And at the moment, we've just released challenges, which is like a fun like friendly fun competitions in the community and it could be trainings or it could be just a photo challenge or it could be anything else really and you can win these trophies and some of the challenges have actual prizes to them so that's our latest thing uh and moving on we're really i'm really looking forward to creating really snackable small bites like mini courses or mini lessons that that you could just digest in a day and and it doesn't it isn't a big commitment kind of thing um, so I want to develop that. And I think, you know, when we when we move forward, we're going to keep getting things from our users, what they need, what, what they're looking for in the app. And that's what we'll be building, really. Yeah, that no, sounds brilliant. I mean, I, you know, one idea, which I'm sure you um, do in the puppy one is, you know, the three most important things you must do when you bring your puppy home on the first day and the three most important things you must not do yes. with your puppy on the first day. Absolutely. I mean, we have those checklists and like these are the things you want to get right and this is what you want to avoid. And, and you know, because we have that knowledge of what can cause stress in dogs and what can disrupt that balance of harmony and what can cause PTSD. So that's in there all the time. Like watch out for this and do A instead of B, <laughs> you know, handholding. It's all about being that handholder and coach along the way. Yeah, exactly. And encouraging lots of training with the puppy, you know, mm. on a tiny little light collar and lead, get them walking to heel up and down your hallway, but, you know, before you go outdoors when, you know, I don't know, what is the vaccination schedule like in, in Sweden? Breeders are obliged by law here to give the eight week shot and then we can do 10 weeks or 12 weeks for the second vaccination. I don't know what it's like in Sweden. Yeah, it's the same. It's the eight week, 12 week, and then we have a year. And then for the kennel cough, we're supposed to do it every year, but it's not, it's not, you know, mandatory. It's optional. Mm. Mm. So, mm. and it's the same with the puppy vaccinations. It's all optional, really. Is yeah. it really? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, same here. It's not mandatory, although people do think it is. I'm sure in Sweden you do titer tests quite regularly where you can test the immunity of, of your dog, you know, with, with a blood test. 99.9% of the time puppies are, you know, immune from their puppy shots for life. And that's something you can monitor and make sure your dog isn't over vaccinated as that can affect behavior. You know, mm-hmm. I know for a fact, you know, well, certainly the rabies shot can or has been known to cause hypersensitivity, mm-hmm. which is difficult set of behaviors that can certainly affect a dog's concentration. That's for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So just going back there to your sort of three things that you would suggest somebody does with their puppy on the first day when they get them home, what would they be, Caroline? Keep calm. <laughs> I think people are so super excited. And so am I, you know, getting a, a new puppy yes. home. It's as a huge thing. But mostly what I often do myself is that I open the door. I, I make sure it's a calm environment. So, you know, all the neighbors or friends or family aren't there. It's me, my kids. And, you know, uh, and I just open the door and, and let the dog explore. Uh, and I'm just stood there, really, just observing it all, just being calm and, and being in place and letting the dog take a look around on his own terms, you know? And then normally I just squat down on the floor and just wait for the dog to come to me for, for cuddles or for, for bonding, you know? And I just make sure there's time time for that. So nothing's rushed. I don't have to rush off and make dinner. I don't have to, you know, this is a huge moment for, for you know, us as people, but also for the puppy, of course. Uh, so that's super important, just having that time to be present 100%. Um, and then to kind of uh, introduce whoever the dog is to be introduced to very slowly and gradually. If it's cats or other dogs in the home, so it's not, you know, a big chaos uh, that first moment. Remember that one trial learning and the effect of that, you know, keep it calm, keep it chill. Um, and then kind of has some some routines quickly, you know, feeding time and going outdoors. And, you know, and if the dog has accidents, pees or poops indoors, starts biking a carpet, just it's not the end of the world. Just take it easy. You know, don't have know. to solve that today at once. Just roll off those, roll away those mats, put those shoes on top of your hat shelf. Instead exactly. And, you, know, it's... you know, take it easy. Um we have this like puppy proof your home, puppy proof your garden, do that beforehand so you yourself can 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 be calm in this situation. Uh, and if if that puppy does something that you're unsure of how to handle, don't start taking a lot of initiatives and trying things out, you know, just reach out uh, within Petley and ask for help and we'll help, we'll tell you what to do. So interesting. But what about, you know, creating a bit of distance as well from the puppy, you know, to try and prevent and preempt any separation anxieties? I For me, that comes a lot later. I think there's a stress and there's a stress in Sweden as well from the breeders. Like you've got to start uh, training your dog uh, to be home alone. But when they come, I mean, they toddle over that doorstep when they're eight weeks. They're babies, you know, leaving them alone is 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 not prior it's not top of your list and if you need to go to work the next day you shouldn't have got a dog to be quite honest because that's not going to happen you can't just shut that door and come back six hours later eight hours later um 
And so I think that there's no stress with that. You want your dog to feel at home. You want to make sure that if you're out strolling around, the dog knows where your house is. And if there's a sound or if the dog gets a bit worried, they should come to one to you and secondly, go towards your house. That's, you know, the den. That's that's them saying, I feel safe here. I feel at home. And not until that is done, that process has been done and the dog feels that way, it's time to start home alone training. And I think that it's so different for different individuals and breeds I've had quite a bit of hunting dogs and they're super independent they're like yeah go away I don't <laughs> and and then I've got my working dogs um like German Shepherd and Rottweiler mixes and they're the opposite they're like it's you and me for life I'll be by your side no yes. matter what and <laughs> don't they... leave me I won't no, leave exactly. you <laughs> yeah and and they're bred for that and they need a different kind of of home alone training that's much more subtle um so it all depends on the dog but Again, it's about that low exposure, super, super low exposure, never going above the threshold for stress, never uh, excluding the dog. So he or she stands there and whines or starts howling. And, you know, that's not home alone training. That's creating separation anxiety. So I think people, they are, they're a bit of a hurry to get this done, but they, they need to get the time to do it and do it right. Um and I mean, we're there, in fact, we're there to help. We have these step-by-step -step trainings for home alone training. And the first two big trainings are not about leaving your dog. No, the whole first three trainings are not about leaving your dog home alone and shutting the door. I mean, there's so much done before you even get to that, you know, mm, mm, door being mm. shut. Mm. No, that's so brilliant because it is that help that you need at that time because, you know, people can't take their dogs um, probably the same in Sweden until the second jab. So mm. puppies are three months, which mm. is quite a lot can happen and their brain development in that time is, is huge compared to a human's. A lot can be done at home to make sure your dog does this first puppy class, you know, in a yeah. field or in a hall really, really well. Mm. Um, so absolutely, I think Petley is really brilliant and really good as well certainly here in the UK the biggest growth in dog ownership is with the a millennial generation mm. and I think lower than the, the Gen Z I think are, are, mm. are bringing dogs into their life so they're very technology savvy and apps are like second nature to this generation so it's forward thinking on that respect as well as just being something that you can have in your pocket you know you can take your smartphone with you to the park maybe take a break go sit on a bench or if it's summer just you know find a shady spot get the app out and think right okay let's do some focus work out here because mm. to get your dog's attention when you're in a park or wherever is obviously going to be a lot harder than it is in your kitchen and that's you know everything about contextualizing isn't it Caroline? Yeah, absolutely. We see a lot of young users, but we also see like the middle aged, like uh, people that, that get petly and some they just haven't got time to get to puppy class, you know, or they have a dog that isn't isn't going to develop and, and learn at a puppy class who just mm. gets stressed. And the other week I spoke to this other, it was this lovely woman. She was 80 years old. She couldn't get the app going, but she wanted to use Petly. And at the end, she called me up and I kind of like guided her through downloading, creating an account and everything. And then she was finally in and she was like, this is great because I've got this puppy now and I can't get on the bus and go to a puppy class and I can't live with a dog that won't behave, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and she started using Petly and it was super cool because she was like, I don't use apps. I haven't got a clue how to use an app, but this one I want to try. So that was such a happy moment for us at Petly. 
Oh, that's great. But the feedback that you've got from people, you know, on the website and, and the, all the reviews, I mean, they do speak a million words, don't they? Mm. Yeah, we love to read our reviews, even people that have feedback and, and you know, advice on how we can better. Uh, but we do get a lot of, of praise for the app and that it's so easy to use. And a lot of people say that it's got this depth. It's not just about tricks and games or leash work. You know, you can read these article, articles and get such a deeper understanding of, of canines and different breeds. And that's because they are ethologists writing this material. It's not your average, you know, dog expert or dog trainer. Um, so I think that, that yeah, that really makes us super happy to hear these people who come in and thought thought it was something and leave going like wow I really understand my dog now yeah and it is that interactivity I think of the app for me you know that you can ask and I love the challenges thing and you get your rosette so you are you're getting the positive reinforcement as well yeah. you know the pet parent they're getting their rosettes they're getting their clicks their thumb yeah. up you know yeah, yeah. It, um helps motivate the human and that's what needs to happen really so I think it's a splendid idea I really do so well Caroline look thank you so much for today I just love it I love talking about dog training so much any other things that you'd like to bring up you know the tagline for Petley your dog's best friend I and mean, I just love that so simple but that's what it is because to get this bond. See, I think everyone gets a dog and they want their dog to be lassie or, you know, they want to mirror a dog that they knew as, as a child and they want that connection. But that's not necessarily just going to come. I mean, this takes work, as you said earlier, earning, earning their rewards. We need to earn their respect, I think, as well. Mm -hmm. yeah and we need to see them for the sentient beings they are with personality so we need to look into the, that those eyes and understand this is is a person with four legs you know this is a real individual it's not just a dog or it's not just a German shepherd or a Labrador it's so much more than that it's a person you know and we need to understand them on that level and get to know their personality mm. um and that's when that connection happens it's all about you know in those moments of just complete and an utter presence together uh so that and that is what petley is all about to help people reach those moments and to see their their dog as their partner their best friend their you know um yeah and i think we've always said you know we've walked alongside dogs for 30 odd thousand years you know and they've always been our best friend um, and and petley we say come on now it's time for us to become theirs and we all think we are and we want to be but we need so much knowledge to actually be able to be out of the dog's perspective, because it's not just us thinking, yeah, I'm my dog's best friend, but the dog needs to feel that. And how does a dog feel that? And what do you need to do to fill those shoes, you know? Uh, and that's what, what we want to do. We want to give dog parents those tools to mm. fill those shoes. So they get a dog that looks at them and like, you're super cool. I love you. <laughs> you know, let's take on the world. <laughs> yeah. And it's just one look, you know, I mean, one of the mm. things I love to train is head up so that at any moment you've got a head up. So your dog's looking at you and you've mm. got that moment where, you know, you can just pause, think, okay, 
there's a cyclist over there. So let's not go straight on. We're going left. And it's really smooth. It's really smooth. No, Petley's really inspired me. I've been out really working on Prudence's follow, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, really, really. Yeah, because that's one of her foibles, really. She's so scent driven. Um, That big nose, she she will follow a scent into the road. You know, I have to really. And she's become very stubborn on it. Um, And it's just her instincts because I've trained her to use her nose. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the training things and mean that other behaviors get compromised like go train prudence find british truffles and after that you know she just now goes everywhere trying to find a truffle even there won't be one in the park i can tell you that you know she's really driven by her nose Mm. now which is my fault i feel it's my fault but i mean it's good on the one hand but her Mm. recall had become pretty awful i've got to say because Mm. she'd be like no 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 i'm still finding the truffle type mode in her brains i've got solution please share (laughs) it's all about pre-max principle right i love to pre-max anything i can pre-max and so she's highly motivated to find the triples right and she that has made her less motivated to come and when you call her so we want to connect these things it's all about grandma's old rules like eat your vegetables and you get your dessert yes yes. i would start recalling to get her to to get give her the cue to search for the truffles and then once she's done that for a while just go in again recall and when she comes give her the okay to search for the truffles again okay. and just play these two motivational forces against each other mm-hmm. until she's like oh my god I hope she'll recall me because I might get to you know ch- go and search for truffles or find my tennis ball yeah, so the thing yeah. is to go out perhaps with two tennis balls actually so quickly hide one when she's off sniffing and then get her attention get the follow to run and then go find and that will be a really yeah. nice dynamic exercise yeah. wouldn't it Yes, yes. Absolutely. Okay, see, so that's the hot top tip. Love that, Caroline. Thank you. Thank no you. Problem. Oh, Caroline, gosh, we could talk for ages and ages. And um, oh, gosh, we must do another one. I just love all this. So I just urge everyone to go to the App Store and download the Petley app as it will help. You know, Christmas is coming up. It's a very hectic, very stressful time for all dogs and their humans. So okay. to perfect some cues like in your bed, is going to be such a useful one isn't it Caroline for Christmas get the dog out of the way in a good way so they're not Mm -hmm. going to be tripped over Uh, they're not going to eat anything by accident that they shouldn't be eating and they're not going to be stressed out no absolutely and we got quite a lot of big content regarding Christmas and we got a really fun nice article about Christmas out of a dog's perspective and how to really desensitize your dog to certain things that can trigger aggression and fright during Christmas so yeah Head into Google Play or App Store and download Lone Petley. Hurrah. And um, that's great. (laughs) That's brilliant about Christmas. I'm going to go and check that out. That sounds really good fun because to look at Christmas from your dog's point of view, absolutely. Your dog must be thinking the humans have gone mad. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because the amount of stress we all have, you know, the Christmas presents, the wrapping paper, buying all the food, all this cortisol is just wafting around the home and the dogs are just inhaling it all, thinking everyone is so freaked out. So I've obviously got to be freaked out. And then strangers come in and yeah, and it is an opportunity, you know, as you say, to bite. And that's something particularly at the moment in the UK, but obviously anywhere, we don't want any dog bites. Dog bites don't need to happen, do they, Caroline? 
no we want to prevent that and and that's all about awareness and knowledge you know and to see that dog perspective i mean we drag in this tree from the forest and we put red bulls in it i mean out of a dog's perspective that's madness you know am i supposed to pee on it or or take all the balls down and we set fire to things you know all over the house and we do we have all this food all of a sudden you for the resource guarding dogs that's just like madness why have they stocked up with this much food and this bloke comes in wearing boots and a mask and starts asking for the kids i mean having the dog perspective on that madness we understand why a dog could bite in that situation and that situation could be any now we're talking about christmas but it could be any situation that's just overwhelming but completely understandable if we always have you know the dog lens on and see it out of the dog's perspective and of course a lot of dogs because of the pandemic haven't been desensitized to lots of visitors and that takes a lot of work you know to create boundaries with visitors because of course you have to train the visitors yeah as more yeah. than the dog, really, so they don't get overexcited or, you know, and then then the visitor might be a bit overwhelmed by an excited mm-hmm. bull terrier jumping up. So you want to preempt it happening in the first place and keep everything calm. But a lot of people, as we touched on earlier, I think, expect dogs to be ta-da and rushing to greet and kisses and people think it's fun for about a minute Mm -hmm. and then it's like oh actually can you stop your dog you know um, Mm -hmm. but it's been trained and the dog expects to do this behavior it all needs just to be turned around that's all with rules and clear markers (laughs) yeah and I think you know having that understanding of dogs as this you know territorial uh, carnivore really and and hunting dog the hunting with hunting drives and and what that you know gives us in the form of this this dog in front of us that's supposed to be able to act perfectly around you know people and other dogs and other animals and just looking at different breeds like uh say the difference between you know a labrador and a golden retriever and a and a Pitbull or a Rottweiler or a German Shepherd for that sense, they all have different integrity and, and they can be triggered differently for different things. And to be to expect a dog to just be a happy-go-lucky dog and not take have respect for those genes, I think that's the, the dangerous part. When mm. you think that this dog, it should be okay if somebody comes close or leans over or goes, hello, one dog might just wag its tail and start jumping. Another might actually go in for a bite. And that's completely normal for that dog breed. Mm. Um, and I think that kind of knowledge is so important as well. So as a dog owner, we know what we actually bought. And if it doesn't matter if it's a mixed breed or a purebred, we need to know what we've got uh, and their perspective, because that will change a lot depending on the breed. Absolutely. And then that goes back to education and right to the beginning where I always say people must choose the right breed for their lifestyle, their accommodation um, Mm. and their experience. Mm. Because all dogs are individuals, but some dogs are more difficult, I would say, than than others, you know, and if Mm. you've not got a garden to do training with your German Shepherd, Mm. then maybe a German Shepherd isn't the breed for you. Mm. Simple, but it doesn't. There's over 200 breeds registered with the UK Kennel Club. I don't know about Mm. the Swedish Kennel Club. So there's so much choice, but also the mixes, of course, you know, but it's important to know the different mix so that you can see the different personalities you know the cockapoo being the classic example um and so many end up in rescue cockapoos yeah yeah I see so many dogs that that you know have have exhibited 
what we call problematic behavior or or you know unruly behavior or acted bad or bitten and when i look at the scenario i'm like well that was kind of called for you know <laughs> because it's it, i think it's more seldom actually that the dog is out of order or has done something wrong out of a dog's perspective i think it's the circumstances often that that is the problem and people that put dogs in situations that they shouldn't be in at all Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think most dog bites and tragic incidents, they can all be avoided or really with a little bit more understanding, as you say. So, yeah, yeah, well, yeah that's something that is really being discussed at the moment in the UK, you know, with uh, um, the XL bully mm. ban that's all going on at the moment. Oh, gosh. Well, Caroline, I can't wait to look at those tips for Christmas and urge everybody else to do the same. And, of course, <laughs> cool. to download the app. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us again today and highlighting a bit more about the Petley app because I really feel it's it's a resource that is at everybody's fingertips. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, indeed. Lots of good advice there, especially the micro training. We love a bit of that. What's that? Yes, you're right. It is Woof of the Week. (coughs) Never underestimate how important it is to train your dog every day, but little and often and always quit on and up. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, go on, rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. Thanks again, of course, to Carolina Lupo for joining us today and highlighting everything about the Petley app. All the links are in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen for all the music and production as ever. Find out more about Mike at Pod People UK. And for me, find out more at Anna Web Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, we will be back in your feed next Sunday. So, if you haven't already, go on, subscribe. It's free. And that way, you'll never miss another show. And it means you can dip into our Patreon service if you like and get some special recordings and other bits and pieces. Bye for now.